0: Hi and welcome to Resurrection Church where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Uh, if you got your scripture, I want to invite you to turn with me to Jonah chapter 2. This is part 2. Of a collection of talks called Relentless Pursuit, where we're really looking at the life of Jonah, the story of Jonah, and how it applies to us here in 2021. And I know last week Pastor Joyce um, shared over chapter one, and so I just want to kind of do a little bit of a recap before we dive into today's text. And and I've got a whopping 10 verses for you today, so um, that should be good. You might get out of here to be able to go to Taco Bell on time or something. Or Tacos El Bronco. Can I get an amen from somebody in the house? I'm getting off a week of prayer and fasting, and so 1235? Uh, Anyways. um, This book is filled with the grace of God. And, and whenever, you, whenever you dive into it, it's easy to sit here and, and to think like, oh, God's mad. He's going to destroy a city and God's causing this storm to go to Jonah. And then there's this big fish or this well and, and like God's so angry. But I want to challenge all of us to look at this through the lens of grace. Because the grace of God, the grace of Jesus is all over this. And one of the things I love that you see about the life of Jonah is Jonah is foreshadowing the coming Messiah. Jesus Christ. And and, and we see this, and I just want to, this is what we learn about Jonah in chapter 1. Just real quick, we we learn that Jonah's running from the plan and the will of God, but two times in chapter 1, God, or through um, the voice of someone else, God was telling Jonah to arise and to step into his calling. And and then we see Jonah uh, is is out at sea with all these fishermen, and, and Jonah falls asleep in the middle of the boat. You jump forward a few thousand years, Jesus fell asleep in the middle of the boat. Whenever this big storm came, Jonah pointed to God, the creator of all things. Jesus was God and spoke, and the storm ended up stopping. Um, The men around Jonah recognized the anointing on Jonah's life, the disciples around Jesus, and now the whole world recognizes the divinity of his lordship. Jonah was willing to sacrifice his life for the sailors. Toss me off the boat, throw me off The boat and this storm will stop. Jesus sacrificed his life for the entire world. And then we ended chapter one with Jonah being in the belly of a fish. I'm gonna assume a whale for three days. And then in Matthew chapter 12, you see that Jesus reminds his disciples about Jonah and says, I'm gonna be in the belly of the depths of the earth for three days, but I'm going to rise again as a conquering king. And, And so I love the similarities with this, and, and I want to just just start, and, and this won't be on the screen because I didn't tell them, but this is verse 17 of chapter Lord. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Now, up until 2021, whenever you think the world can't get any crazier, um, this was hard for me to stomach. And by that, I mean, how do you reconcile a fish swallowing someone and them not dying, okay, or a well. And then somewhere off the coast of New England, at the spring or early summer part of this year, someone literally got swallowed by a well. You don't believe me? Go turn on any of the local news stations, because they tell the truth, right? Um, I'm glad y'all got that, you know? <laughs> and so that wasn't a political pun, I promise. Um, but... but. Uh, but it happened. Some dude, some, like, could you just imagine? You're just swimming. You got your floaties on or whatever. And next thing you know, you just whoosh. And like, what is going on? And yeah, so that's that's where we are today. And this is something I want to point out, which is extremely significant before we dive into this. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. The Lord appointed the great fish. Meaning, God will sometimes allow problems to come into your life to be able to get your attention. God will sometimes allow circumstances to go crazy in your life to shake things up to bring you to a heart of repentance. God will sometimes allow things in your life to not go as planned. And be uncomfortable so that that discomfort will end up producing holiness inside of you. And and so, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Then Jonah, and this is him in the belly of the fish, prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying... I call out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I called, and you heard my voice. Now, something I think that is significant is um, I, something I hear this as a lot as a pastor, and, and maybe, maybe this is you and, and just hear me out whenever I say this. Um, a lot of times I hear people, people say, I don't know how to pray. I'm going through this with Judah right now. It's like he did really well with praying, and then now he's like, Dad, you pray because I don't know how to pray. And then I kind of walk him through how to pray and stuff. Uh, But sometimes people feel that, that they don't know how to pray. And I just want to challenge you. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Every one of us know how to pray. If you can talk to your friends, if you can talk to your spouse, if you can talk to the person that you want to tell them that they're number one whenever they cut you off down the road, then you can talk to God. Some of the greatest prayers I've heard have been short and simple. I remember one time, pre-service prayer, we were up in Albany and this kid, and I think I've shared this, he grabs the microphone, his name is Anthony, he grabs the microphone and he's holding it like this, and he said, Jesus save us and someone after church was like he didn't have a very good prayer and i'm like what are you talking about he had the most genuine heartfelt prayer because he did something that required some boldness he became vulnerable in front of everyone and the only few things that he can get out was pointing to jesus i don't think there's anything wrong with that prayer so don't tell me that you don't know how to pray you say i don't know how to pray yell jesus well i don't like to yell then whisper jesus Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let them know how you're feeling. Jesus, I'm frustrated right now. Jesus, I'm in distress. Jesus, I'm angry. We see this right here. And, and what I love about this is that in this prayer, this, this nine verse prayer, that really set, uh, eight verse prayer, that Jonah ends up praying, he references the scriptures eight different times which means that there's a significance of getting into the Word of God and diving into it so that you will know what to go to whenever you have nothing to go to. You might be saying, well, Michael, I don't know what to pray. Well, then open up your Bible and say, well, greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I am more than a conqueror, and I'm going to praise you. I I don't know what else to to pray. Well, I'm going to stand firm, and we don't wrestle against flesh and powers, but against spiritualities, I'm butchering this verse. This is number two. Don't judge me, Santi. I rebuke you. Um, they, but but you get in there and like like you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Cowboys have been saying that for twenty years and they keep losing. But but like but I mean this for real. Is like Jonah in the middle of distress, in the middle of the belly of this well, in the middle of darkness, in the middle of all of this acid around him, stomach acid, water coming in. Um, Plants and, and little tadpoles and fish, all of this stuff. He says, I'm going to remember the scriptures and I'm just going to start praying the scripture. This is the scripture, Psalms 18, 6, 42, 7, 31, 22. All of that he just prayed were three verses right there. Three Psalms that, that, that he ended up having memorized. And he says, I call out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Meaning I'm going to call out in the middle of my problem and I'm going to be confident that God is going to hear me. We can have confidence that in the middle of our our struggles, in the middle of our problems, that God hears us. And, And he continues on, And out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Church, I want to tell you today that God hears your voice. Sometimes it may not feel like he hears you to yourself because you've got a certain expectation, but God hears your voice. It's just like this. Parents, you can recognize this. You understand this. I'm sitting upstairs. Our house, um, I'm, my office is upstairs in a back corner so that I can have peace and quiet whenever I'm working and studying and stuff like that, which does not happen at <laughs> all. I just want to say that. I hear doop, 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 doop. And then Ali comes in, Daddy, what you doing? I'm like, I'm in the middle. No, I don't, I don't respond like that. I don't respond like that. But, like, have, have you ever, parents, and I'm sure we've all done this, like, can, can, I'm, I'm going I'm to go here. No, I'm not. I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to go here. I'll save you guys. No, it was, it was something funny. It was nothing spiritual, I promise. But Judah, yeah. Judah, right? Judah, my, my six-year-old, Dad! Dad, where are you? Dad! Meanwhile, I'm like, somebody just fell down the stairs, and I'm, I'm you know, supermaning down the stairs, and I'm, you know, stop, drop, and roll, and I come in there, and I'm just like, what's up? There's a commercial on the TV. I'm like, dude, just hit the button to skip the commercial. You know, that's, that's what YouTube allows you to do, because that's all kids watch nowadays, YouTube. Um, Bluey. Can't get an amen. Anyone know what Bluey is? Some of y'all are like. Wait, that isn't on YouTube, but you know what I mean. Anyways, so like, so this, like, but but there's moments where Judah starts yelling out like, Dad doesn't hear him, but Dad knows the voice of his son. Dad knows the voice of his daughter. And if if I I know I and parents, you know what I'm talking about. Where it's like, Dad, Dad, Allie took my gummies. Dad, where are you, Dad? And then there's. Dad! where it's like something just happened. And so it's like this voice I can ignore, ignore because they need to work this out and they need to grow up. And then this voice, my son or my daughter's in danger, and so I'm going to come running down to make sure that he's okay. God hears your voice. Because whether you see it or not, you are a child of God, and God loves you, and whenever his children cry out, God hears the voice of his children. You may be sitting there saying, God, where are you? God, where are you? God, where are you? And he hasn't answered you in the way that you want to be answered. Or maybe you're listening for the wrong thing. And he is, as as Kathy said earlier, I think it was Kathy, that still small voice. You're wanting this grand fanfare entrance. And God's like, no, I'm right here. Right here, daughter. I hear your voice. I hear crying. And and I'm going to comfort you in this season. Continuing on. Verse 3. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surround me. All your waves and your billows pass over me. Now, something I think is, I just want to point this out, jumping back to, to chapter 1 real quick, is um, the men threw Jonah out. Like, if you read chapter 1, the men threw Jonah out of the boat. But in chapter 2, Jonah recognizes that those men were being used as, as an instrument for God. And so he is admitting God, you allowed this to take place. You allowed this to happen so that I would get out of the boats. Verse 4. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. See, our present day obedience is going to dictate our future blessing. Our present day obedience is going to dictate our future blessing. And if we are not obedient, how do we ever expect God to pour and shower down his blessings upon us whenever we are sitting there walking in disobedience? And and what does sin do? And and here's, man, i got to be honest with you guys. If we're being disobedient with God, it's sin. He just said the S word. Yes, I did, because Jesus talks about sin. Like our sin separates us from God. You know, I remember. I remember someone. I, I've been writing this book. All right, I've been writing this book for about seven years now. Don't judge me. And um, I'm in. I'm in the Dominican Republic, and someone comes up to me and they prophesy. And I literally, uh, Jeremy, who is on the front row here, he's he's from Albany. Um, he was there. But literally, I was talking about like, oh, I need to finish writing this book. And I get to this house, and this woman's like, I had a word from God for you, and she starts prophesying over me, and she's like, there's a book that you've been putting off for years, and I'm just like, oh gosh. And then she says to me, this is after the prophetic word, she turns to me and she goes, listen, um, if God's been telling you to write this book and you haven't been obedient, you're in sin. And I was just like, ouch, I don't even know you right now. Like, who are you talking to? But it's true. If God is telling you to do something and we are disobedient to that, we are entering into sin. Maybe we don't realize it, but that's a we are, we are not yielding to the Holy Spirit, but we are yielding to our own desires. And, and, and what does Jesus say? Those that live their life will lose it. Those that lose their life for my sake will gain it. And so our entire life is about yielding to our flesh and yielding to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into holiness and obedience and righteousness and righteousness. He continues on verse 5 and 6. The waters close in over me to, make my, to take my life. The deep surround me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the root of the mountains. And I went down to the land whose bars closed me forever. Yet you brought me, I'm sorry, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Now I want you to think about this situation, okay? Because here Jonah is. He's in the belly of a fish. <clears throat> the fish was probably stinky, nasty, slimy. Like it's, and, and on top of that, like could you just imagine him just gasping for air like,, oh, oh, I got some air. And next thing you know, just a bunch of seawater ends up coming in because the, the fish had to yawn or open his mouth or, or whatever. Like, like this is what's going on. And right here you start he's, you see him, he starts to describe, this situation, the waters are closing in. They're going to take my life. I'm going to drown in this fish. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. Like, could, could you just imagine that? And so I want you to think of your situation. I want you to think of where you are in your relationship with God in your life, the things that are, that are facing you, because every one of us, whether it's small or big, we are all facing some kind of decision right now. We are all facing some kind of scenario. It may be work-related. It may be family-related. It may be school-related. It may be politically-related In our frustration with everything right now. But we are all faced with this. And we could either sit there and we could allow the circumstances to overtake us We can allow the circumstances to to drown us out or else we can turn to God. And in the middle of the problem, in the middle of the problem that God allowed to happen to get to the heart of Jonah, he says, but you brought up my life from the pits, O Lord, my God. What's he doing there? He's reminding himself of the character and the nature of God by quoting more scripture. He's saying, I, I'm in the middle of sinking. I'm in the middle of drowning. I've got seaweed, like, he just pulls out seaweed, like, I'm just a little nasty right now. I'm sorry. I need some water. But in the middle of all that, in the middle of the problem, God, you are the one that will deliver me. You are the one that will take me out of the pit. And you already have. No, he hasn't. Yeah, he has. But no, right here, it says he's still in the belly of the fish right here. Why is he saying that? Why is is he saying that? Because, like... I think it's because Jonah recognizes that what the situation he is currently facing, that there's something much grander happening with the sovereignty of God. And church, on this side of the cross, and Pastor Victor, we were talking about it, or he was sharing about it in prayer this morning, which was really powerful. On this side of the cross, it's important to understand those circumstances may come against us, though the enemy will attack us, though challenges we will face. Yes, we're going to have financial hardship, economic uncertainty, political chaos, coronavirus 2.7, whatever it is nowadays, Jesus has already won the battle. He's already won the battle. And regardless of what happens to me in this life, because of what Jesus did on the cross, I can stand in a place of victory and I get to walk through those pearly gates one day into eternal glory and I get to reign with Jesus over this earth. This is our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. And so I think that there was something inside of Jonah that was like, okay, um, all heck is going on around me right now. I've got seaweed coming out of my ears right now, but God, you're the one that's delivered me from the pit. I may die in the belly of this fish, but your grace has already set me free. I'm so glad you're sitting there. I mean that for real. Literally, we talk about it in staff meeting. Oh, I just love it. Love it. <laughs> Verse 7. When my life was fainting away, catch this, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. When my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. Some of you, you may feel like your life is fading away today, and I want to challenge you to remember the goodness of God. Remember the victory that was done on that cross for your sin and for my sin. Remember that moment that you breathed your first breath as a born-again believer, having a new life in Christ. Remember that financial hardship that you faced whenever God miraculously ended up providing for you, and you can't explain it, you don't know where it came from. You, you remember that moment that you were in that hospital bed and the touch of the Holy Spirit hit you and you started to feel a little bit better and the next day you woke up and you had more strength and a few days later you got up and you walked out of that hospital better than whenever you went in there. You remember the faithfulness of God whenever he saved your son or your daughter off the streets. In the middle of their chaos, in the middle of their addiction, God met met your son or your daughter in the street. And you had been sitting there crying out for God. God, I need you to move. I need you to move. I need you to move. And he's saying, daughter, son, I'm in the process of moving in your family right now and setting them free. You hold on to the promises of God. Church, that is all we've got. We've got Jesus and his promises. And if there's anything we need to be reminded of, it is the promises of God that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That as for me and my house, we are all, not some. Oh, see this. The enemy wants you to believe some. The enemy wants to say, oh, that child is too far gone. Or your parents, they're just a bunch of addicts and they're never going to be set free. No, the word of God says, as for me and my house, we will all serve the Lord. And today is the day of salvation. We start reminding ourselves, this is this is literally what I've been doing this whole week. Oh, I was getting, waking up. And I went golfing the other day. Don't, don't. It was, there was nothing to testify about with that. I'll tell you, I shot like seven, eight points higher than the other person I was with. But I woke up, I woke up the next day. Any, any golfers in here? Cliff, do you golf? I feel like, not. Well, we should go golfing together. I feel like, I just feel like you're a golfer, all right? Maybe it's the tan that you have and it's just that constant. But like, I, I wake up, I wake up the next day. Y'all bear with me. We're getting personal in church. And I wake up and I go, oh. And I'm like, oh, God. I, 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 it's like, I kid you not. I kid you not. It was, I was sore. And I'm at that point in my life where I wake up from sleeping and I wake up with a backache. Can anybody give me an amen to that? And look. I ain't got no money to go buy some expensive bed out there, all right? And those, those therapeutic air mattress thing, like. But in the middle of all of that, all these thoughts coming in my head, all this confusion, all this struggle. I have a choice. Am I going to bless the Lord? Am I going to remember his faithfulness? This, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I'm going to share this with you guys. This past Wednesday, which this is a tendency that, that happens to me. I think it was Wednesday, um, I, I, get a, I get a phone call from uh, Andrea, who's, who's up in Albany, and she says, Mike, I need to talk to you and Jen, and I'm like, all right, let's talk, and so we get on this Zoom call, and um, we're sitting there talking, and she's like, hey, I just want to let you know that the electrical bids are coming in forty to $60,000 more than we had budgeted because of the cost of material. Like, the cost of material has more than doubled, and in some cases, tripled since February, and I'm just like, oh, sitting here, defeat, defeat, defeat. And you know what I had to remind myself? God, you've done it before. You're going to do it again. God, we didn't have the money then, and somehow you miraculously provided a way. And so, my heart posture and my attitude that I've been having to preach to myself is I know what I see on paper. And what I see on paper is we need 50 or 60 additional thousand dollars in like a month. And, um, but I serve a God. I serve a God who His promises are yes and amen. I serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hill. I serve a God that will fund His mission and His vision for the local church. I serve a God that got us this far. There is no way that He's going to hold back from taking, taking us across the finish line. And so that's, that's just been my heart posture. And I've been having to do that all week. Remember the goodness of the Lord. Verse 8. I'm going to go pretty quick the next few minutes those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast in love now let me let me pause here just for a second because i want to i want to have this is i want to have a real talk for just a second this is the prophet of the lord who's recognizing that he had idols in his life meaning some of us in this room and i'm i'm talking about myself too who we claim and we praise and we pray and we tithe and we worship can easily fall into idolatry. And we cover it with religiosity. We, we, we put certain things like, let me give you an example. Well, that song is just more anointed than this song. No, that's your preference. I'm, I'm pretty sure any song that is Quoting and bringing us back to Jesus and the scripture is anointed regardless. That's your preference. Buildings. This is, this, is, this is me. We're getting this building. Praise God. The building's not the church. I'm not gonna allow that to become an idol. God, check me. I don't want this to be what we're fighting for. I don't care about a building. I care about souls. And so God, let me be focused on souls. Or, or what about this? Um... Man, I went to this church with Sister Susie, no offense if your name is Susie. I went to this church with Sister Susie and their worship was just not, it wasn't good. It's like they had they had some person up there and she was just yelling. She was just like, bless your Lord, bless your Lord, and she, it was just It's just not good. No, I I think the issue may be is you've idolized the style of worship that you want. And you really need to check your heart because I'm pretty sure that a believer and a disciple of Jesus Christ should be able to enter into any space, any atmosphere, and be able to praise the Lord regardless. Because Jonah here is in the middle of a well and he is praising and worshiping the Lord. He didn't have no band. He didn't have no worship leader. He didn't have no backtrack. He didn't have no Hillsong or Beth or whatever sitting there. No, it was him and him alone. And so often we take these things and we make them idols in our life and we elevate the creation over the creator. And that's exactly what Jonah, a righteous prophetic man, is doing right here. He's elevated his own way of I'm going to run from Nineveh. I'm not going to go and do what God's called me to do. And I'm going to allow that to become an idol in the name of the Lord. And he missed it. He missed it. Again, though, I said that this is filled with grace. Filled with grace. Uh, Verse 9. But I, and Andrew, um, you, you can come on out here at this point. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will pay. So, he didn't have anything. Like, He's literally got water splashing in and out of him for three days. He's got seaweed going in and those little, what is it, Creole fish or whatever that are, that are coming in. He he's, I don't know how deep did this well go. Were his ears popping? He didn't have any lights in there. He didn't have a band. He didn't have a Bible. He didn't have any of that. All he had was himself and his voice. And in the middle of the problem that God put him in to fix his heart, catch that, in the middle of the problem, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the nasty seaweed and the water that has drowned him, he says, but I... But I, Michael Moore, on this day, regardless of what's happened this week, I will, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. you know what he's talking about right there? He's talking about, I'm going to lift up a sacrifice of praise. I'm going to worship you regardless of whether I get my deliverance or I don't get my deliverance. I'm going to lift up my praises and adoration to you because, God, you alone are good. I don't need anything else because I got you, and you alone are good, and I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to lift it up, and I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm wondering if there is a church here today that's willing to sacrifice some praise for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus. And then he says this, what I have vowed I will pay, meaning I'm surrendering, I'm yielding, to you right now. I'm yielding. And and why am I yielding to you? Because salvation belongs to the Lord. Meaning Jonah can't save himself. You can't save yourself. Your righteousness cannot save you. As much as you try, as hard as you try to get there, as great as you think that you are, you can't do it. So yield to the Lord. Yield to the Lord. Well, Michael, I've got this plan. I've got this five-step, five-year plan. And we're going to get there. I'm going to be able to do this. And then I'm just going to give a bunch of money away to charities and, and all these things because I'm a good person. That doesn't save you. Because you're still broken Inside, You've still got hurt inside. You've still got junk in your closet that you haven't been dealing with and you haven't been telling those around you. And God is sitting here, man, if you're here today and you're like, this dude is crazy and he's yelling a lot, I'm sorry, I love Jesus, but hear me out. God loves you so much that he sent this white dude to yell at you and to talk about Jesus because he desires a relationship with you. Verse, verse 10, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing out. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I want you to think about that. You know how it started off with prayer at the beginning of this? You think you can't hear God, you think you can't pray. If a fish can hear the voice of God, Christian, you can too. Well, I, I don't know if I do. Maybe you're just not listening. Maybe you're too busy on social media, or you're too busy gossiping, or you're too busy yapping your trap, and you, God's just like, hey, just be quiet a little bit, and I'd talk to you. It's like, you, you, know, you know what? I, I, I told Bishop what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to do this in October, and I'm publicly saying this. I'm going to get away for a few days in a cabin by myself somewhere, and I'm just going to detox my mind. Detox my mind, because I turn on Fox News or CNN, and it's just trash, I hear the complaints, I see what's happening, and I'm just like mentally, you know what that really comes down to? I just need to hear God. I need to hear God. I need to hear God, and God is a father who loves me, who wants to talk to me, and so if a fish can hear God, you can hear God, and then we see this happens three days after it happened, marrying Jesus, and this is the thing that I think is so incredibly interesting, Jonah was vomited out of the belly of a fish. Think about that. Could you just, could you just imagine just sitting there and just get kicked off this boat, and you're sitting there on your raft, and the storm stops, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm out in the middle of nowhere in the Mediterranean Sea, but sun's there, and next thing you know, whoosh, taken up. Life hits you unexpectedly. And you're in this dark season. You're in this season of feeling like you can't do anything. You're in this season of feeling like you can't go anywhere. You're in this season of just just frustration. And this water's rushing in. You feel like you're drowning and you can't breathe. You're suffocating to death. And then God speaks. And your deliverance comes. But you know what's interesting? I don't think Jonah expected his deliverance to come the way that it did. I don't think that he expected his deliverance to just come and him to be vomited up. So he gets vomited out of the belly of this fish and he's probably got slime and mucus and acid and seaweed on him and he stinks, but he got his deliverance. See, oftentimes we expect our deliverance to happen one way, and more often than not, what I've learned is the way that we expect it to happen, God has a totally different plan that's going to end up giving us our deliverance, but it's going to look different than you expected. And maybe many of you guys, are sitting here, you're praying, God, I need you to deliver me. God, I need you to set me free. God will. He can and he will do that. But sometimes it looks a little nasty. Sometimes it looks like going to counseling and talking through your dad issues that you've had as a child or the abuse that you ended up experiencing. Well, I don't want to do that. That isn't, that isn't, that's not, that's not for me. No, that may not be what you think you need, but God knows that he, you need that. And so if you put yourself in that place to be able to walk through that stuff. Or or maybe like we, we pray for addicts, right? We want them to get free and set free. Maybe, maybe they just need to go to a Christian rehab like Teen Challenge and get imparted the Word of God daily. Do you think that they want to do that? No, but then they get their deliverance and they walk out a free man or a free woman of God. Maybe, maybe you're in such financial hardship right now and you're crying out, God, I need you, I need you to set me free. And God's like, well, if you would learn to obey me and tithe and then budget your money and you do this and then you, there's this thing called compounding interest, um, which by the way is in the OT, Old Testament, and, and you apply that to your life, then five years from now you're going to be in financial freedom. But it's going to be different than you just scratch off, win in the lottery, woohoo, Going to the Dominican Republic at a resort. That's what you want. But God knows what you need. And God wants to give you that deliverance. He wants to give you that freedom. He wants to give that to you. He wants to give Brooklyn, Staten Island, Albany, New York State, that freedom. It may look a little different than we expected. And that's okay. All of this reminds me, I'm closing with this. You guys can go ahead and stand. All of this reminds me of the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, good guy. He was brought out into the courtyard. Him and Silas were stripped naked, they were beaten. They were put into the inner cell. They were put in these these locks where their their bodies were twisted. And they started praising. So God set them free in the middle of their turmoil, in the middle of their storm, right? But then he goes on to another city, and he's beaten again. And he's arrested. And and then he's then said, well, we can't deal with him because he's a Roman citizen, so let's bring him to Rome. So they, they put him on a ship, and in the ship... He ends up getting shipwrecked, all right, and so then he's shipwrecked with the, uh, so a bunch of people there. While he's shipwrecked, um, a, a snake bites him, and, and then he gets to Rome, and he goes before all these people, and then he's stoned, as in rocks thrown at him, for the record, and he, he's stoned from these people. And, and in the middle of all of that, he says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Another thing he says is, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. You know how I got up here a few minutes ago, and I was like, hey, Ephesians, stand firm. You know who wrote that? Paul, while he was in prison, house arrest. Literally. And what I love about that is if your source for your satisfaction, if your source for your security, if your source for your joy is in anything else but Jesus, it will let you down. But there is hope, and that hope is the hope for humanity. And he has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he wants to be your source. He wants to be your all. He wants to be everything in your life. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to pray because I know in this room there are people that feel like you're in the belly of a well. I'm one of them. Well, Michael, you're the pastor. Yeah, I've got issues too. I got sin I deal with. I got frustration. I get mad at people. I make stupid decisions sometimes, but you're, you're a pastor. You can't do that. Well, I'm not perfect, but I have Jesus. I have Jesus. And in the middle of everything going on, I get to stand firm. I want you to close your eyes. I want you guys to just think about that. Your storm, your situation, and God's response is I want you to stand. I want you to praise me, and I want you to worship me, and I want to watch what I'm going to do. See, all of this is available for us as believers, but you have to be a believer. Listen with every head closed and every eye closed and every head bowed. If you've never said yes to Jesus and you want to do that today, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you up front, I'm not going to make a spectacle of it. But if that's you, I just want to pray for you right where you are. If you would, just slip up your hand. Thank you. If there's any anybody else in here who maybe you're just going through the storm right now, you've got the drama, you've got the issues, you've got the frustration, and you feel like you're Jonah. You're in the belly of that fish, and maybe you don't have enough faith to muster up your praise, sacrifice of praise. If that's you, would you just lift your hand in this room? Thank you. I want to just pray for us this morning, and we're going to sing this song, and I love this song, and you guys are going to love this song. And as we worship, I just want to challenge all of us It's our sacrifice of praise. It's our sacrifice of worship that we have, that we are called to do. So, Father, we thank you. God, I thank you for every person in this room. Father, I thank you for every person who is in a a season of darkness, a season of struggle, a season of the, the well of just being in there and just feeling like, God, I don't know what to do. And God, I thank you that you've given us a way out. And our way out is to stand firm and to worship. To stand firm and to praise. And to declare your kingdom and your glory and your lordship. And so, God, here we are today. And we declare your kingdom, your glory, and your lordship at Res Church. At all three locations in Brooklyn, New York. Father, we are lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. And God, as a church, we stand firm on the promises of God. We push back the gates of darkness through our worship, through our praise, through our sacrifice of praise in this house today, God. And so, Father, we love you and we worship you. It's in your son's name we pray. And everyone says, amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. Yeah, go on and and clap if you want. We're going to sing a song. And if you need prayer... If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray with you. We've got a prayer team who is, who's, they're already up here. Um, at The moment you walk up here, they're going to come pray with you. If you need prayer for healing, we want to pray for you. You need, you need prayer for financial miracle, we want to pray for, listen, I'm here to tell you, God has done it. He's going to do it again. But here's, here's what I need from all of us, all of us in this place. Let's offer God a sacrifice of praise with this song. And let's worship like he is on the clouds returning right now, coming back for his kingdom, for his children. Let's, let's worship like there is not sin surrounding us, like there is not destruction in our world. Let's worship like Paul and Silas did in that prison, or like Jonah did in that belly. And so if we would, we're going we're gonna to be a little charismatic for just a moment. Is that okay? Yeah? Let's just start lifting up our own voice right now in worship before we get into this. And so, Father, we worship you. We thank you. We praise you. You alone are good. God, we ascribe to you the glory that is due to your name. We say that you above, you above all things are sovereign. You are good. You are holy. You are creator. And we worship you. And you alone, church, we're going to worship And let's worship hard. Let's let the gates of darkness know that they can't mess with us. They don't have to fight us because we've got our worship. And our worship is our warfare. And so, Father, we love you and we bless you. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.